0: You can please pray the words, come Holy Spirit with me three times. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, as we come to the end of the liturgical year, I ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit in a powerful way. Please let your Holy Spirit rest upon every single person here and reveal who Jesus truly is to us. Or reveal him again so we can see you in the poor, we can see you in the hungry, we can see you in the thirsty and the stranger, those who are naked, ill, or in prison. I make all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. So I hope you had a, a great Thanksgiving break. I'm not sure how yours started, but as I was um, driving down to Iowa, where I go every year, uh, I had a new companion with me. So I had my dog with me for the first time. It was our first Thanksgiving together. And as we're um, in the vehicle, it starts smelling a little bit. Uh, Mocha had a little bit of gas on the way down to Iowa. So I was just outside of Madison and found a quick trip and just uh, pulled off the side and let her do her business. But it was just, um, we'll just say it wasn't pretty. And as, um, as we were in the vehicle, I was, I, was so, or I was watching her do her business, which is like everywhere on the grass. Uh, I'm so grateful for this gospel. Why? Uh, because this is the gospel that really just like grabs my heart. Um, Jesus says, that you do unto least of mine, you do it to me. That means how you treat other people is how you're treating Jesus. The person you love the least is really how much you, lo- you love Jesus. So Mother Teresa calls this the five-finger gospel. So if you can put your hand into a fist, we'll teach you the gospel tonight. So it's very simple. When you tip out your thumbs, you did it to me. So every night as we, as we grow as disciples, we should, be, we should be doing that. How did I treat other people? You did it to me or you do it to me. That's the gospel. Because if we have this relationship with Jesus, if we have this relationship with Jesus and we actually follow him and we, we go deeper, we realize he's most present in the poor. And when I encounter the poor um, and I see a person on the sidewalk at Menards or at, at a quick trip in the city of Oshkosh, the Holy Spirit's like, that's Jesus, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. So last year when my family was together for Christmas, we decided to make care um, care packages like these little um, uh, drawstring bags. And we packed them full of like wipes for people who are dirty, um, soap, toothpaste, uh, some snacks, some things like hand warmers, that kind of stuff. But that was in my vehicle as I'm watching Mocha do her stuff, and I'm like. I don't want to put her back in my vehicle. Like this is disgusting. So, I took one of the um, the out of the bags, the drawstring bags. I took out all of these wipes. I think went through 15 because she has long fur. Use your imagination, dingleberries and all. Just disgusting. Just awful. You can laugh. I mean, I said the word dingleberries. When's the last time you heard the word dingleberry at a mass, right? So think, just just relax a little bit, right? Um, so as as I'm as I'm just wiping her over and over and over, I'm just praying because I often do when these things happen, I said, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? And the Lord's like, this is how I am with you all the time. I'm always cleaning up your mess. But He says, the thing is like, sometimes you you try to come before me as if you need to be perfect, and I don't want to even pick you up when you are dirty. Like, God, if you were like mocha, just, just messy butt and all that grossness, you don't have to like be wiped up to come to him. The image that comes most strongly to me and comes to Psalm 23 and the reading in Ezekiel today is is, is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd and he he comes to clean us up, but also clean us up because we neglect the poor. We neglect those who are more needy than us. And we don't even ask that question, like, what is the five-finger gospel? But it's so important to know, like, how defenseless sheep are, but also what does a shepherd do? So when we read Psalm 23, like you, most people read it, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He reads me to restful waters. And it's almost as if we don't know how powerful those words are. <laughs> when we say the words, the Lord, those aren't throwaway lines. That means the Lord, the King, the, Lord, the, the King of my heart is my shepherd. The one who rescues, the one who heals, the one who binds up, the one who picks me up even when I'm dirty, that's my Lord. So it's more like the Lord is my shepherd, who's yours? Because all of us have different lords, different kings, things we go to that won't satiate us. He says I shall not want, because even when I'm, you know, afraid of even going to him, he still comes to me. He still cleans me up. But then it says, He leads me to restful waters. So there's so much for us to, to learn about sheep, uh, because sheep are, are, are utterly defenseless animals. That's often why the Lord calls us his sheep. He says, the, the sheep know my voice. They, they, they know my voice because what a, what a shepherd does is he leads his sheep to restful waters. And the question is, why restful waters? Is it because it looks peaceful, it looks serene? Well, it's because sheep will not drink from moving streams. If you took them to a river that was rapids, they wouldn't drink. If a sheep was brought to water that was, even had any little movement in it, they won't drink. So what the shepherd does for these sheep who are utterly defenseless, who don't have fangs, they don't have, they don't have like claws, they don't have anything to defend them. Um, what he does is while they're sleeping, he goes out and he's searching for restful water. But the other thing he's, he's searching for are nutrients for the sheep. He's looking for tall grass because often the tall grass will have dew on it. And it takes place when he's not near restful waters. Because the sheep, if they don't have good food like you and I, First thing in the morning, they're ornery, they're a little bit annoying, and they also will go to other areas where they don't belong. They'll get off the right path. So the question for us today is, what would your life look like if you just gave like the Lord your first 15 minutes? Like that first place, because we have so much in common with sheep, like what would it look like if you gave the Lord your first 15 minutes of the day? Like first 15, 1% a day, if you gave him that first 15 minutes and you allowed him to satiate you, you allowed him to feed you, and you started your day that way. Because the sheep, if they are not fed by the good shepherd, they, again, they go off the right path. And the thing is, again, sheep who are defenseless, they do something that's really strange when they're, when they're afraid, is they end up bleeding but I don't mean like B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G. They bleat like B-L-E-A-T. They'll actually just go in the middle of nowhere and they start bleeding, like screaming. They go, ah, ah, and they make all these weird noises. But anyone who's a predator, who's a bad shepherd, who's a wolf, who's a symbol of devil, he just hears that and he destroys. But if we know who the good shepherd is, All he wants to do is, before the devil comes, is he wants to pick us up and put us on his shoulders. That means we have to trust him. Because I think sometimes we're like, Lord, I'm not perfect yet, so don't pick me up. And the Lord says, I think the Lord, who is the good shepherd, who leads us to to restful waters, could care less. Because if you look at what the good shepherds come to do in Ezekiel 34, He's come to heal you, which means you can't heal yourself. He's come to rescue you, which means you can't save yourself. It means you have to let yourself be healed by him. You have to give him permission to pick you up. And he's like not afraid of whatever dingleberries you have in your life. I'm just going to throw it out there, right? I think sometimes we're like, it's just too gross, Lord. It's too dark. It's too dirty. But again, that's us being prideful. And then we're actually punishing ourselves for not following him. But when we know who he is and what his voice sounds like, we'll be able to recognize him in the poor. If there's one thing that anyone's looking for, it's looking for more witnesses who serve those who are less fortunate than us. Like, how can we say that we love Jesus and that we see people suffering and we do nothing? Like, that's the most, um, that's the most sad thing on this campus that I see is indifference. The opposite of, of love is not hatred. The opposite of love is indifference. And all of us know at least one person who's hungry. Maybe not physically, but what spiritually, intellectually? Like, they don't, they don't know how hungry, they, they don't know that they have this this place in their body that's meant to be fed by the Lord. Or those who are thirsty, those who are, who are going to all these, these places to drink whatever they drink, but it leaves them feeling empty. And we, we see that in one way or another. And a stranger? Like, there's so many people who struggle with loneliness, who feel like they don't belong. But if we have eyes to hear and, eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to love and hands and feet to serve and we know who our shepherd is, he'll say they don't know they belong. They don't know they belong in my sheepfold. They don't know how much I want to heal them. They don't know. And then you have the opportunity to go love them. Instead of being indifferent towards their suffering, you have the invitation. You have the honor of loving them in their brokenness. Those who are naked, like, oh, probably don't see too many people naked, but I mean, like, I would say, like, what are we clothing ourselves with? And I don't mean, like, physical clothing, but I mean, like, what are we, what are we putting on ourselves um, in, the, in, in just even how we treat ourselves? Like, sometimes we have such negative and, and negative interior voice going on, and the Lord's like, I would never say that to you. I would never say anything like that to you. And those who are ill, I mean, like with mental illness, like could we be more aware that between fifty and sixty percent of this campus is struggling with mental illness, struggling with depression? And if we have eyes to see it, and we realize how I treat that person, how I'm treating Jesus, it just changes the whole dynamic. And the last one is, when I was in prison, did you come visit me? Some of us, we don't even realize we're in prison. And we don't realize the Lord wants to come into our prison and unlock it and and set us free from our addictions, from, from our bad habits, from our sins. But then once he does that for us, it's important to know that like hurt people, hurt people, heal people, heal people, but rescue people, rescue people. And if you've been rescued and delivered from anything, like the least you could do is share the gospel with somebody. Share the good news that actually liberates people. And when you share the gospel with people, what happens is they're on the floor and the good shepherd comes in and he puts them on his shoulders and they feel that weight just drop. They feel the chains just drop. And the question for us tonight is like, if not you, then who? See, enough finger pointing, We enough excuse making of those who are suffering some of us, our cups are so full, we're not pouring it out in service to others. We heard the words, my cup is overflowing. I mean, for some of us, our cups are so empty. We don't, we don't even know what it feels like to be filled by the Lord. And that's what prayer does. It fills our cups. And when we run out, we go back to prayer. But the thing is, if you don't satiate yourself with the word of God, with the Holy Rosary, with time in front of the Blessed Sacrament— like, there's all these places that are just empty, 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 and they don't, they don't satiate it's the way we're made to be satiated. So how much do you love Jesus? What's your favorite image of him? One of my favorite images is Jesus the Good Shepherd because he doesn't care about how dirty I am. He has come, He comes picks me up time after time again, and the invitation is to go and do that for others. Some of you, maybe you like the image of Sacred Heart, Maybe like the good Samaritan, maybe like divine mercy, whatever it is. But we want to live with those images in our hearts. But it's not just to know what the image is. But again, the the question is, why does that image speak to you? Because when you know your why, which the Lord, His why is to come rescue you. His why is to come liberate you. His why is to come feed you. His why is to come love you. His why is to come forgive you. When you know your why it changes everything. So you could say, this is my favorite image of Jesus. My next question would be, why? This is one of my favorite Gospels. Why? Because it, it, it teaches me how far I have to go yet, that I'm not even close to being where I need to go. But when you begin to, to live the Gospel, when you begin to hear that five-finger Gospel to know that That you do under the least divine, you do it to me or you did it to me. That makes you look at people differently. That makes you treat people differently. That makes you love differently. If our world's looking for anything, it's not looking for anything that's the same. It's looking for change. And the Lord gives us himself to go love others because on our own we can't. He gives us his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And what happens is your blood becomes his blood. Your heart becomes his heart. And then if we live in that reality, I think we'll see a lot of change happen. We have to, again, we have to really look more deeply, listen more compassionately, and we have to love with with a greater sense of who he is. And also, what he's done for us and what he wants to do for us and what he wants to do through us. So, let us make a commitment this week to not make excuses, to look for other people to do it. Maybe you're a person this week, you're like, I have to go talk to a focused missionary because I don't know how to love. That would be, I'm sure, a focused missionary would be like, Yes, let's have this conversation. Jamie, hopefully you can shake your head up and down. Like, if you don't know how to love or be loved, like, that's why the focus missionary is here. That's why Michaela is here. It's like, why we're here. And are we perfect at it? No. But that doesn't stop us from trying. And we just pray for the grace not to quit, to persevere. We have three weeks rest of the semester, but let's make a commitment to finish strong and to know who Jesus is and what he desires to do for us. Whatever is in between you and Jesus, we're called to put it on the altar and ask him to transform it, to change it. So we can see him in the hungry, so we can see him and the thirsty, and the stranger, and the naked, those who are ill and imprisoned. Maybe that's just what it is. You just gotta trust him. He trusts you completely to give himself totally to you in the Holy Eucharist. He's putting you on his shoulders. What would happen if you trusted him more deeply? So we pray for you, Holy Spirit, to fall upon us and to help us see Jesus in ourselves and in one another. Pray for the grace always and every day to live the five-finger gospel. For that we do unto the least of yours, Lord Jesus, we do unto you. Amen.